0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.
1: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. To you
2: live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And
1: Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. Spencer, Israel, Joel, Kahn, and Dennis Dick is here, but he's not, but he is. He's just late, but we start without him. Because that's how we roll here at ben thinking of the Show. Must go on. Well, what are we going to talk about today, guys? I wonder. I, I think
3: Dennis is at the beauty parlor getting his hair done.
2: That that could be. That could be. Uh, we can talk about the Fed. We can talk about that. We can talk about uh, gold. I saw someone just mentioned GLD. Oh, Dennis is back from the beauty parlor. Does he look beautiful? Let's see. Huh, back, back from the
1: lavatory. Okay. pre <laughs> game pee. That's okay. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> we can talk no about brush it. in there. I no knew brush. I was tight, but I was like, I got to go to the bathroom.
3: <laughs> you got to put a brush in there, man. So a brush. Just, yeah. <laughs> what do you need a brush for? <laughs> you telling <laughs> me
1: I, I'm not beautiful. <laughs> this always, hair is so beautiful. It's always beautiful, Dennis. You're always beautiful. It's, yeah. it's Joel
3: like, Connor, Spencer Israel, and Woody Woodpecker.
2: Look, look uh, beauty is like the market. I'm taking it it's I'm taking a the, to that. Beauty is like the market. <laughs> it's what's on the inside that counts. Sorry, guys. Um, go, go
3: ahead, Spencer. Go all ahead. All right.
2: Uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead. We'll talk the banks. We'll talk gold. We'll talk the Fed. We'll talk Corsair. Some in, interesting insider sells this week. Uh, We had a couple of earnings uh, yesterday, today. Maybe we'll cover those as well. We'll get to questions from our chat. Two guests on the docket today. First up, 8 to 35, the cow guy, Scott Shalady, will be joining the show. We always love Scott. And then at 9, we'll have Peter Tuckman live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. In the meantime, everyone do us a favor. Go ahead and hit that like button. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, let's bring Joel's charts on the screen here in a second. Oh,
4: yeah. Joel,
2: tell us. How we are reacting. It's how, choppy. Man. How we even, digesting? I, I need to digest the news.
3: Man, the news even, that, uh, that even, upset even. stomach. I, I'm the one that's so jumpy about the S&Ps moving around, but it was you guys that were catching my attention here. We're chopping around pretty good. Let me get that one minute chart off there. That is a no, no. We don't look at one minute charts except at certain times during the day. Uh Lower open, and then they plowed it right through that low from yesterday at 90 and a quarter. By the dippers came in, and now the battle for 4200 is on once again. Down 12 and three quarters handles right there at 4200 and a quarter. Uh, crude down 14 cents after almost kissing 73 yesterday, getting to 72.99, down 13 cents. Gold getting absolutely Hammered. crushed. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Next time that thing gets back to nineteen hundred, if it ever gets back to nineteen hundred, I'm out. I'm done with this gold. How long uh, you have gold? I'm pre-COVID, before COVID. You know, I making, know, are you up in it? Yeah, I, not as much as I was yesterday. Uh, uh, or two days ago, I'm, I'm done with it. Uh, silver that's now one point uh, three, a dollar thirty-two. In the 26 handle 2650. Bitcoin, man. 40k. Should I stay or should I go now? Uh up five hundred and forty-five dollars, thirty-nine thousand one ten. Just can't clear 40 and stay over 40. And let's call Ethereum flat here. Uh at 2417 a quarter down a couple bucks. So Dennis, you, you used the word transitory a lot uh when talking about pump and pow, but you got a new word. You got a new word, did? uh well, persistent. Powell, Powell has a new word. Yes, persistent.
1: So. That's that word spooked the market. It That's did. your reason for the sell-off. Spencer Israel, give us the details from his comments because that is when the market rolled over. It's the new word, persistent. Well, I, it, the first thing I did when the statement came out
2: was to a control F for the word transitory. One mention of the word transitory in the statement, and then in the press conference. Only two mentions, one of which came from a reporter. So, transitory looks like got put on the back burner yesterday. The word persistent got six mentions in the press conference, uh, basically as it relates to inflation. Turns out that inflation could be more persistent than they expected.
1: Holy, wow, these guys are geniuses over here. They've got it all figured out. As they, as they chase what everybody else already knows. So, of course, it's persistent. It's not going away. We know that. It's just whether the Fed, Fed was going to acknowledge it or not. But they've acknowledged it, which I'm very surprised, actually. I would have thought he'd stick to the transitory talk. It's going to be the same type of thing. The banks thought the same thing before, obviously, as well, because they were selling off into it. They got a relief pop yesterday, and for good reason, because... That's a big change in tone when you go from, you know, calling the inflation transitory to persistent. And they did talk about potentially raising rates now two years from now, so the market will probably just forget about it in a couple of days. But there was good reason for the sell-off yesterday. I was actually surprised at the Fed commentary.
2: Well, um, what their argument is essentially, look, inflation was so low for so long, our target uh, rate of 2%, we're just going to make that the, the, the that's going to be our target for like the long term average. So because it was so low for so long, now we're going to let it go above 2% for a while. As long as over the long term, I don't, I don't really know how long long term is, but as, as long as over the long term, inflation averages 2%, we're okay. So <laughs> for now, it means above 2% is the name of the game,
1: essentially. So what does this mean? The immediate reaction is what you would have thought when the Fed does move from that word transitory and says persistent five times. Uh banks get a lift. They sold off into it, into the Fed. Hard, hard. They did. So a little bit of a relief pop. That continues a little bit here this morning. I mean, go to Citigrouping and see how hard, Joel. Um, this was significant. We were eighty dollars a week and a half ago. We kissed 70 yesterday, $70.15. Yes, we got a little bit of a bounce right at 70 where you think, you know, psychological support plus kind of where we bought them in March and April. Um, Does this make you want to buy the banks? If he's going to acknowledge now and we are seeing the U.S. dollar, um, obviously, you know, we've seen this weak U.S. dollar, weak U.S. dollar. We did. It did show some strength yesterday after the Fed meeting. Does this make you want to own the banks?
3: (laughs) Not really. Not really.
1: Why? Why not? Just well, the technicals are still a- all broken on them?
3: Uh, I mean, if rates aren't, aren't, don't you want higher rates for? Yeah, but, for the price? but yeah, but Joe, the tone changed. So
1: I would say that the okay. tone, there was no way. You're not just raising rates. There was no, it wasn't even on right. the table. They were not raising rates yesterday. But, but can you imagine? He had, no, There's the process, right? So they're way behind in the process. And we know Powell doesn't want to have to do it. But now he's acknowledging that the inflation problem might not just be transitory or temporary, it might be, in some places, more persistent, which we all know is the case, but the Fed's actually acknowledging it now. And if they're going to start acknowledging that we have persistent inflation, that means that they might stop the printing press to or slow it down, and maybe, just maybe going out we start to think about raising interest rates. So it's a change in tone that the market hasn't really seen from Powell. Before, you know, we are like, we're getting inflation data, the Fed's got to do something about it. And they've just, you know, they threw this transitory word out there just so they didn't have to think about it. Well, now they're starting to realize, hey, we might have to start thinking about inflation. So it's the process that starts to lead us to think that, hey, maybe this free money policy that's been running for the last 10 years Rampant. If you want to talk about stuff running rampant, um, maybe you know the the light or the darkness at the end of the tunnel for the markets is there. Not saying you got to go out and sell all your stocks, but if you're starting to think about inflation, if you're starting to think about potentially raising interest rates even a couple of years from now, maybe they start thinking about buying back those banks they've been selling for the last week and a half. Well, can, can we at least acknowledge that the Fed was doing its best to unwind itself from
2: the um, the qe right 2015 they raised rates right 2016 2017 2018 they were, they unwound the balance sheet they were doing something the 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 pandemic undid all that all of that work but they were at least trying prior to covid were they not
1: yeah so maybe now it's, we look like we're getting past the pandemic to a certain extent maybe we do think about you know, a rising interest rate environment? And what does that mean for stocks? It's not happening tomorrow. It's not happening next week. It's even highly doubtful that it sounds like it's going to happen next year. Are these talking 2023? Is it too long for the banks to wait? Do we just go right back into this trade, buy tech, short everything else? Or is this a change? I, I don't have the answer to that question. I'm throwing out to the chat. I'm
3: throwing out to you guys. Um, this very hard to call. What uh, Easy Mike says that uh, Powell's run ends next year. Is that true? Is his term up? Because he just may be just doing the backstroke, right? And getting You know, getting out the door. Is that true? Not I don't know. Cool. I don't know if I can – I mean, they're still saying 22 or 23. So it's like <sighs> – I mean, unless, and I see what you're saying, Dennis, you're saying this is a progression. This is like a step. They don't want to, you know, so each Fed meeting, they'll inch closer to doing something. That's what, they'd
1: never make drastic moves. This isn't the Fed that just changes on a dime and all of a sudden, okay, well, COVID's over. Let's start jacking rates. This is not this Fed. Powell is very ultra conservative. Well, not, he's ultra ultra pro (laughs) capital markets and easy money. So to get him even thinking about raising interest rates is a step in the right direction if you're, if you're bullish the banks.
2: Well, I'll be damned. Uh, whoever said that the, his, his term was up next year, time flies and you're having fun. He got, uh, he, he, he got sworn in as chair uh, in 2018, uh, and they served four-year terms. And so, yeah, that is next year. Anyway, say, see ya! I'll
3: be there. No, no, I'm done. They, they can serve more than one, more than one. I know, I know. I'm just being I'm so, just being facetious well, then, here a bit. Uh utilities Wait, got hit yesterday too. Uh I mean, overall, still you got to figure the environment for stocks if they, you know, it, it's still pretty favorable. Uh if they're gonna, you know, at least maintain the stance for now. Maybe not gold stocks, but uh uh interesting day. I mean, quad witch tomorrow, too, right? So you got a lot of unwinding. It just kind of feels like they're just somehow they're going to figure out how to rally it today, have some stupid rally overnight, and I just pop everything on the open tomorrow. You know, just get, just get everything just juiced up, have a bunch of juicy buying balances, and just pop them up and hit them. And then we go down. I mean, it just never, never seems like to have, like, you go down one day, you hard drop, and then you follow up the next day. It's like, oh, there's always that, that buy the dip. I mean, that was off the low yesterday. That was a 30-handle rally. So, I mean, if you're short stocks or you're short, you know, the spooze or something, I mean, you're, you're, you're either covering or you're letting a lot of profits going away or redeploying. So- they do it. They just seem to do it. We'll see what happens uh, in today's session. Is there any? Uh, only one earnings, one earnings to talk about. Lenar. Yeah, uh, there wasn't about
1: much. That? No, Jable no, J- 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 Circuit it, yeah. Kroger. We had a couple, but yeah, nothing.
2: We we, nothing. Had, we had Lenar yesterday, Jable and J- 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 Kroger this morning. Uh, we can go to Lenar if if you'd like.
3: Yeah, real quick, because I I like the, it it has the a good technical way. setup. Yeah, technical setup.
2: I I want to call an audible if I can talk about Ford.
1: Um, yeah, I Ford. do too. Yeah. Ford just broke news at 8 o'clock. right? Yeah, Ford had
2: guidance as we were starting the show. Uh, they see uh, strong... So basically, they gave guidance ahead of uh, estimates. They see strong customer reservations for their four new vehicles, the Bronco SUV, the electric F-150 Lightning, and the Maverick, and the uh, all-electric transit commercial van. They uh, gave some numbers for reservations for each of those vehicles. Um what else do they say? Uh, they're, they're presenting today at the Deutsche Bank Conference at 3 o'clock Eastern. If that's your thing, uh, you can check it out there. But uh, they're, they're giving some encouraging reservation numbers this morning.
1: I don't think the Ford story goes away anytime soon. I'm still long. Um, we know I bought it back when you guys bought around $7.80, I think. It's a double for me at this point in time. I did sell half, so completely playing with the house's money. That was a little while ago. I'm holding on to the rest. I'm in GM. So I'm long Ford. I'm long GM. I'm long Honda. I was long Toyota, but I sold it and I wish I wouldn't have because that one just keeps going. So that's, I'm long the traditional automakers because I think they're all going to be talked about in EV land. They're all coming out with EVs. I think, um, I think they're all relatively cheap on valuation. I like them all.
3: Uh, Nice pop here. You did have a buck and a half sell off off that $16.50 high. That That was a couple, uh, it's going to be two weeks ago on Friday. Uh, nice pop. What's our pre-market high? I just wonder if there's paper stacking up at um, at, fi- at uh, fifteen. Always, at,
1: always at the fifty in the buck, the fifty in the point. Yeah, yeah. and I that's, actually don't. Do you ahead. see
3: anything there? No, Not, I it's didn't just, log
1: in yet, but I can tell you, just the way it is. It's yeah. fifty cents a buck, fifty cents a buck. So you'll see the paper fifteen fifty. That'll stall it out for a little bit. He takes that out, then he start thinking about sixteen. Takes that up, then he starts thinking about sixteen fifty. Mm-hmm. It's just the way Ford is. You always get up, you when you get these rallies, you get up to the next fifty cent increment and it starts to slow her down. There's probably where optionality starts on it too. So in the fifty cent increments.
3: Yeah, just hit 47 and uh 1.7 million shares traded in that last bracket. So 47, you're got a high at 43. I just uh I would just be careful because uh this is Uh, deja vu all over again gm mary barra talking up her stock yesterday right Uh, while on the show that thing went to 63 went right to a daily high now mr market probably had something to do with the sell-off but uh get to 1550 things open up but uh if you're taking anything out of the gm playbook from yesterday uh it was a selling opportunity all right,
2: now we can go to Lennar uh, and Kroger and Jabel if we want. Lennar was,
3: yeah,
2: was out yesterday. EPS beat, sales beat. No real surprise uh, there. Um, they see uh, Q3 gross margins on homes in the 27% range, uh, and they're going to be able to, to uh, build around 16,000 uh, homes this quarter
1: quarter was yeah, fine was but like fun, we talked yeah. on the last home builder um it's an environment where it's starting to slow down because well and, and it's going to help if lumber prices start to come down which they have significantly but you know people are holding off projects with higher input costs and it wasn't just lumber it was everything i know i'm going through a build everything got jacked so if they start to see lumber start to come down that it's actually good for Lennar in my opinion So, I know people naturally think, oh, lumber's going up and that's got to be good. You know, it's or, you know, housing, but home builders, lumber going up, that's their input. So, it's not good. Um, And that can squeeze them to a certain extent. So, I look out of here. I think Lenar, all the home builders had a really good environment for a bit. I think it's cooled off. If lumber and input price can come back down, then I start getting interested again. But I'm not interested here
3: uh this is a nice setup i was hope i was looking for like it's because sometimes I really jacked the, the uh, home builders onto that and i'm thinking man 96 would have been a great level but they said uh out of that uh it didn't even get to ninety-three so I think this is a pretty simple setup here you know you're trading you're trading up at ninety two seventeen I think you gotta get through ninety three and get ninety three bid hold that you know and try and keep going if not and you come and you take out this ninety fifty three I know some buyers stepped up uh ahead of that the last two days and I think you're under ninety and you're seeing eighty eight so Pretty quiet ranges here. Sellers have come down. So if you're not clearing ninety three, then you're taking out ninety fifty and you get some more downside. Uh are leaking here too. Uh we're down now uh, almost sixteen handles. we are down sixteen handles at forty one ninety seven. So do, do we care about Kroger?
1: No,
2: uh, no well, I was gonna go to Jable because that, that is up. Let's sure. right? Yeah. Uh they they gave strong guidance on top of their earnings beat. Uh Q four EPS above estimates, sales guidance above estimates.
3: Woo! Uh, uh,
2: guidance that. guidance for the whole year as well. Uh earnings and
3: sales guidance also above estimates. That's a sneaky little stock there, huh?
1: Yeah, but you got a sell-off in the overall market the last couple of days, and this is getting right near up near the highs. I think you're going to find sellers all over the place here in the 58 handle. So hard to get excited. If I was long this thing, I would sell into today's pop. I don't think this thing's getting over making new highs. Just my opinion.
3: Uh, you did sneak close to fifty nine. You got a little over fifty-nine, but number Dennis is talking about is fifty-eight, fifty-two. Uh, that's the all-time high. And ooh, 95. We just lost another couple sticks. What are you guys doing out there? We just hey, lost another. Stocks. Hey, Dennis, cancel bits. Oh,
1: cancel bits, cancel all bits, cancel. All
3: bids. Uh what's interesting too is that the all-time, oh, is that a monthly? No, let me go to the daily. Uh, we've cl- 58.52, all-time high. All-time closing high, 57.44. Nope, 57.89. So we don't take out that high. We go we go under 57.90. I think you see some more profit taken.
2: Uh, no, we don't really care about Kroger. Let's, who cares? Let's move Kroger. away from the earnings if we can. Uh, let's talk about Corsair. This one oh. got, got a big... Uh, I had a big move a couple of days ago. Uh, exactly yeah. why, uh, for me at least, remains unclear whether you read to... It's not exactly. It's <laughs> not <laughs> clear at all. 100% Reddit. All right. I was trying to be a little more, Reddit was, gives to you be a little more
1: diplomatic, Dennis, but all right. When Reddit gives you gifts, you take the gifts. This is what I have learned. If it's not, and Kramer's right, GME, AMC are their own animals, and AMC's like this ape stock. I don't even know. It's different, I guess. Apparently, is what I hear. But um, all these other stocks. Let's look. Let's go through the evidence. Bed Bath and Beyond, triple BY, huge Reddit pop. That's gone. Let's go to what all these short squeeze stocks. You know, like there was like Root, and there was like. You know, all these ones that were just all over my timetable. What what about Wolf? Wolf is another good one. Boom, gone. Wendy's, boom, gone. You get these Reddit pops a 20, 30% overnight in your stock, you take it. And that's why I was analyzing it. I like Corsair Gaming. I still like Corsair Gaming, but I'm looking at this and saying it's giving me over a 20% pop overnight. It was like 25%, I think, at the highs overnight. You got to take those pops when it's not on news. I mean, these are like, Earnings beats, you know. Takeover premiums used to be twenty, twenty five percent. Now you just get them out of the blue because it gets some mentions on Reddit. That is a gift. That was a gift, and you know who was taking it? Not just me and Mitch. Who was taking it was every insider at Corsair <laughs> Gaming. So I'll go through them for you. The CEO <laughs> on Monday morning sells into the Reddit pop. Sells four hundred nine thousand shares at thirty nine eighty two. The, nice. C- the the EVP of gaming products sells. 100,000 shares. I have $40.70. That was a good one. The C, uh, the director, Bajaria, and
2: it's right there on the screen. Right there on the screen.
1: Yeah. 36.71, 2.7 million shares. And then obviously another director as well sold also the same amount. 2.7 million shares all on Monday morning. They were ready to sell. I want to rebuy my Corsair gaming with all these insider sells last night. It makes me think, why were they so ready to sell? That spooks me a little bit. I actually had an order out there to buy it at 32, did not get it yesterday, canceled it now. I want to see what just happens with the dust settling here. I still like Corsair gaming, but concerning that every insider was apparently ready to sell on that Monday pop.
3: There is a uh, sell it in the strength, right? Uh you got a gap fill if you come down here I know why you like that 32 area gap fill at 3263 so maybe you come down here I'd be tempted the first time if it came down there uh, and then that was the bar that you had before, you know, before the Reddit pop that closed at 32.36. So you've come down hard. I, I think some if there's some shorts out there and people still feel like it's a good company, kind of looks like that 32 to 32.63 is a buy zone. And right now, someone kind of likes 33. I mean, we've hit 33 a few times and in bounce. So we've got a patient buyer at 33 right now.
1: Workhorse, Clover, the chat's giving them all out. All of them. Held up for a couple of days and then gave it back. N-A-K-D, K-O-S-S, $42 to 23. When Reddit gives the gifts of money, take the money. That is, you know, been the better play not to buy when the starts going up on you know fifty percent or hundred percent on Reddit, the play has been to sell it on Is it? But mentions. if
3: they're gonna start like, is it? there some bad I mean, are some Reddit people gonna get mad at other Reddit people? I mean, there's gotta be some it, some people there. Well, they're always mad at each other. That's <laughs> oh, really <laughs> they're usually oh, gotta, man. at, at man,
1: well, they're gonna start is, getting mad at Kramer. That is Kramer kramer on wall is at war with wall street bets apparently here some of the tweets he was saying last night can we find some of the jim kramer tweets from last night yeah, mitch it. you were reading them out there was like he's at war with reddit right now yeah I'll, I'll I, he, I thought he was buddies with with all the wall street bets now he seems to be at war with them so i don't know which side he's on he's Dennis, totally can you put some
3: them. bids out there can you put some bids he no, like, told there me to you?
1: cancel my bids joel okay um anyways where where are all these you know tweets from yesterday wsb keep your firepower for amc and gme there is too much money being lost on your other names you might be able to keep buying amc or gme up here if you keep this up just saying corsair insiders got the top tick thanks to wall street bets and the people believe in reddit wall street bets question mark they got had like on wendy's and bgs and woof it's such a scam this is from jim kramer Here's a great one. The insiders were ready. This is what I was talking about. I actually sent that to Jim Kramer last night, just tweeted it at him, and then he quickly, about 10 minutes later, tweeted that out. And didn't credit me for it, but that's you know okay. What?
2: You know what? Uh, here's my theory. You ready? Jim yeah. Kramer is not in a good mood today. He's not in a good mood today because he's a, he's a Philadelphia sports fan. And the 76ers were up by 25 points last night, and they lost in the playoffs. So he was in a really, really bad mood, and he wants to fight.
1: I didn't, Did was, I didn't even know he was a basketball fan.
2: He's a Philadelphia sports fan. So he's. Yeah, tweeting. I know he's, he's. I know he's a, Eagles. I he's didn't a, know. He's tweeting about it this morning. Last no. night. So that's my theory. He's in a bad mood.
1: He wants to well, play. Yeah, but these were coming out yet yeah, last night at like five o'clock. So, right. anyways, he's at war, it appears, with Wall Street Bets here right now. You know, I, I, I'm i saying I'd sell the Wall Street Bets pops here too because this has been the play here for the last while. Uh, Besides GME and AMC, which kept going, maybe there's going to be another buy opportunity. Maybe there's going to be another short squeeze. But you know how many messages I get? I would say you know, on Twitter, I probably get, I don't know, between 50 and 100 messages sent to me a day, like questions about stocks. And, you know, like this is, you know, sent via, some are direct messages, some are, you know, sent, um, you know, just tweeted at me. What do you think of this stock? What do you think of this stock? I've got to say, I'm just ballparking it, probably 75% percent of the questions i get are about wall street bet stocks like the, the like the 10 the 12 you know like or the short squeeze stocks you know what do you think of this one it's got a high short interest probably half of the questions i get from people this one's got a high short interest what do you think this one's got a high short interest what do you think and i'm like well this has been kind of the play for the last week but does that continue do they continue to just hand, you know buy up every stock that's got you know 10 or 15 percent or 20 percent short interest on it I don't think so. I think this was the flavor of the week. I think we've moved away from that short squeeze trade. Is it going to come back? Well, it went hard in January, and we had another run of it in June. So is it going to come back eventually? Yeah. But if you're still combing through, where's the next short squeeze stock? I I think that ship has sailed, kind of. I don't think that's the next stock. You know, we're going to squeeze this next one. And there's always going to be something they're talking about. And like I said before, I give Reddit a lot of credit. Um they really can move stocks when they you know team up, they really are moving stocks and you gotta be aware of it. But the rallies, for the most part, Kramer's right, haven't been holding. Yeah. Gold, uh
3: gold continuing. Lower now down yeah, eight box bucks. Jesus, they're just they're just taking this out to the woodshed. Yeah. Hundred dollar day, hundred dollars down day. Can can that happen in the gold market? I don't know. Time to see that. Silver Boy, too. Yeah.
1: Silver's getting yeah. hit harder, Joel. Down three and a half percent here this wow. morning.
2: Actually, it's not it's I think it's all commodities. Pla- I saw platinum too.
1: I think it's really just the home all the metals. Started stuff. with lumber and now it's starting to come off. Right. Deflationary so looks-
3: trade all of a sudden. So this is so this is uh, to uh, Jerry's credit. This this price action here, well, with the commodities going, well, they all come Lumber. in. Yeah, he
1: won't have to talk inflation as much here. So yeah. you start to see everything come down. I mean, still, let's give a perspective. Lumber was what three or four hundred dollars, went to like seventeen or eighteen hundred. Now it's back down like nine hundred or a thousand. So I mean, we're still way up from where we were a year sure. and a half ago, but we've come back down to at least you know it makes some sense here. Some, but. But yeah, you're right, Spencer. This is a commodity uh, sell off here, and it's pretty um, substantial here this morning.
2: So, what are we buying? We got to be buying something. We're selling commodities, we're selling metals, we got to be buying what? Bitcoin, ETH, we're buying airlines uh we don't
1: have to always be buying something uh, it's been the market that buy the dip has worked oh buying puts is that what you'll said yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but every time we pull back a little bit we get bearish and they just come back and buy the market back so i don't i've been sitting with some extra cash for a while i raised it up again i've you know we i we know i jacked it back up i i put a lot of it to work um a few weeks ago and i've Pulled most of that back out, so I don't know where I'm sitting in my cash portion. Somebody asked me that yesterday. I'm probably like twenty five to thirty percent cash, but like I said, I'm always ten to fifteen percent cash. I never get to a point where I'm like hundred percent fully. And this is the long term investment portfolio, not my, not my trading. My trading's margin, and obviously, bright trading capital. Well, not margin with bright trading capital. So it's a completely different story. But I don't know. I think you need to think about like not just being fully on margin at this point in time. But I've been saying that for the last couple months, we've had a couple sell offs in there. We haven't really gone up though, either. So the market's a little hey, tired. Right every now. single commodity. No, ethanol is in
2: the green. Every single commodity is in the red though. Whether it's a metal, whether it's a salt, agriculture, soybeans, well, uh, wiped out this year's gains. Uh, this morning, sugar, wheat, lumber, we talked about uh, coffee, cocoa, um, Copper, corn, it, all all down.
3: Everything is down this morning. Every commodity. Yeah, morning. We, beans were in the teens. I saw that. And uh they still are. Look at that. Ooh, this is how many days in a row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days in a row that uh, the beans have been down. But um, you know what? Just from like an overall like market perspective, yeah. th- it depends how we end the week right and I, I I have a weekly number obviously that I figure out on Friday, and we've always been holding that weekly number. that's where we had some lows earlier in the week and we rallied off them well, yesterday, we finally gave way and we had to sell off. so there is a chance that uh you know that my weekly number that I'll figure with, with the close and the high and the low for the week on Friday also markets have a tendency to make a high for the week or the low for the week or you know, the high close for the week on Friday, especially with the Quad Witch. So there's definitely going to be some – I mean, sellers are going to come down from that 42, 58, 50. That was the all-time high. So from a weekly perspective, we may may finally uh, start the week on Monday next week, you know, at at a point where we're we're below the level of control. But, hey, we still got – all day today, all day tomorrow for this to fare it out. Uh but we're choppy, man. We are we're whipping around pretty good here. Uh trying to get back over 4200 you, you got you got
1: tomorrow with the quad witch. Yep. And then you have next Friday with the Russell rebalance. It's going to be some volatility for the next like we said, you know, I think it's going to go to the quiet summer doldrums here. Yep, but we that. did say this next 7 days, they have some, you know, catalysts here. And so we're going to see some volatility here. Obviously, the Fed has given us some volatility now, which I thank them for. I mean, I love volatility. As a trader, that was one of my best trading days yesterday in a long time because we finally had some volatility. So I know I'm completely correlated with the VIX. VIX gets down under 15, 16. It gets tough. So it's coming back over 20. It's like, OK, the trading's getting better here all of a sudden. So a uh, great day for me, day trading um, and overnight trading. Um not so much in the long-term portfolio because it got hit a little bit and it's getting hit here again. So I think you just keep playing the chop. I think expect chop. I don't think we're going to go and they're just going to hammer stocks and we're crashes imminent. Some people thinking there's a crash imminent. There's too many people that still have the buy the dip mentality. We haven't broken that. We haven't even come close to breaking that. Yeah. And I think we pull back 2%, 3 4% of money managers saying, okay, here's my opportunity. You know, the Fed's not doing anything immediate anyways. And if the market starts to go down significantly, the Fed's going to really, you know, back off because this market has always been, this Fed has always been, you know, market, looking at the markets too, to a certain extent for their policy decisions, not just looking at the economic data. So it's, it's tough to be bearish.
3: Do you want to do you want to cover the disaster of the day now, or do you want to do that after? Oh, uh, no, tell me, I love disasters. We already talked. Um, the, is what is it? Uh, it's the healthcare oh, stuff. Oh,
2: oh, see that. Oh, well, I was, I, I was, mm. I wasn't sure where you're going with that because it it could have been. Uh, what else? Uh, Time Motors, maybe not yet, but they did clarify as if uh, we all, as if we all didn't already know this that they <laughs> they they don't actually have any binding orders for for their endurance. Yeah yeah duh duh but anyway uh is the one dozer in any other market
1: environment this lordstown motors it's such a forgiving environment but in any other market environment this ride yeah would be like flirting with like a lot lower prices yeah this is the market that just continues to forgive continues to forgive i mean look at the evidence here you know one you know we've got you know obviously these orders they said we have orders now we don't have any orders with the ceo and the cfo said we're (laughs) out of here we have you know financing concerns and whether we can even give enough money to start production it sounds like just everything fundamentally sounds like an epic disaster but we're in this environment where the market is disconnected from fundamentals in a lot of different places and ride has been forgiven multiple times and that's good for our buddy marcus because um you know he might just get another shot here again but i'll tell you I'm still scared on this stock because if it ever does reconnect with fundamentals, the stock price could be a hell of a lot lower. Yeah, it doesn't make sense.
2: And then CureVac, uh, they had had data on their phase one trial for their vaccine. Uh, The efficacy of the COVID vaccine for CureVac was 47% did not meet. Pre-specified statistical success criteria. Though they did have conference call this morning, talked about uh, the next uh, phase, basically their their next trial, uh, how geographically diverse it is, and forty thousand people across ten countries. Bottom line, though, uh, phase one not good enough, and that's why
3: CVAC is down forty percent today. Got to thirty six sixty nine. So wow, I mean, that's a nice pop. Yeah, this, is, this thing's a bullish, this chart, a bullish chart. This is a I know. A chart. What's wrong with us? Truly, what's wrong with us? We look at this like, oh, nice rally there. Uh, I don't know how you would have, uh, you know, stuck your neck out at that level. Uh, I'd say instant replay here. I don't think you're going back down there, but there, you know, there I go, there I go, think it again. But if I got to look at yeah, this thing it. between forty six and forty seven. Two monthly lows, forty six twelve and forty six and a half. I think you know that's five points away. Could you see it? I don't know. If I was short and I missed this, people back even fifty bucks. I mean, people are stepping up. So there's some reference points. Uh, if you dare, if you dare touch this thing, I think potential support in the real liquidity market. But that's horrible news, man. I mean, just like don't take the shot. Like, don't like what are they gonna do? I mean, that that's I hope uh, they have something else in the pipeline. That was a nice rally
1: to sell. I know people come in this morning saying, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? But I'm like, what did we get down to, 36?
3: And then we got to almost 60.
1: Yeah. So the stock, I think you're okay. – <laughs> I, think, I think actually the path at least resistance at this point in time is lower. So, but it's right. hard right. to call these stocks
3: a lot we, of prices. We
2: did have jobless claims uh, higher than last week. I don't understand what this data means because we're also in an employment shortage. So, I don't get it. Let's bring on our guest here, the cow guy, Scott Shalady. Oh, good morning. Nice to morning. Good morning. Good morning. How, How are, are you? Doing?
5: I'm good. What's good. going on? I agree with you. It's great to see the volatility come back for
1: a few days. We like volatility. We all love it. You're exactly right. Commodity volatility here. This is uh Scott. This is uh your type of market. Some commodity volatility for you.
5: Well, you know, we've had an interesting year. We did have Wall Street kind of pile in early, worried about inflation and and they got that right, but and we also hit some hotter and drier, you know, weather that's also shot us to the moon and we also didn't have as much as we thought we had lying around too, so it was a perfect storm. However, a lot of folks forget that we grow this stuff every year, <laughs> so you got to be careful about getting too far out of your skis. And uh, we've had some weather sneak back in that looks a little bit, you know, wetter, and so you've seen these things kind of, kind of come off. And they're coming off at the same time other things are too, which is kind of taking a little bit of the teeth out of that inflation argument, at least in the commodity side. And we'll see where we end up. We do have less. You know, corn and beans that we thought we did, so they're going to stay relatively elevated. Um, but you know, these things are—you know—we can make this go away in one growing season, or maybe even a half a growing season, depending on what South America does. So it'll be interesting. It's been definitely volatile. It's been a good year for that. Uh, but I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm in the camp that I think that this inflation story—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm still dubious. I, I don't really think yes, we're going to have some inflation, but I don't think it's going to be. The, the big uh, boogeyman that a lot of folks are saying it is.
1: Well, I think you look at the commodities and you say, wow, you know, this was just a crazy move and and for a while, but now we've come off, you know, on some of this pricing. Like, you know, you've seen lumber come significantly back down. You've seen a lot of commodity prices in the last month coming off significantly here. So, you know, even me, I was citing, you know, lumber prices going from 300 to $1,800. This has got to like pass through somewhere, but now that we're back down nine 900 lumber, you know, you start thinking, okay, well, maybe it isn't going to be. <laughs> it seems like the Fed's chasing. They go from transitory to persistent, right? At the same time, the commodity prices start coming down,
5: right? And, and you got to be careful. I mean, that lumber market doesn't trade very much. It's almost like a short squeeze meme stock. You know, there you and go. Th- that's look at the volumes in lumber. So it's hard to use that as an index about what's happening in the housing market, though people do because they don't really take you know do the next step. I, look, <clears throat> I'm, I get a little frustrated because. Um, you know, we're coming off a pandemic. We're restarting a $25 trillion, $28 trillion economy, whatever you call it. Well, no one's ever done that in the world before. And so we're using all the wrong words. We're using all the wrong references. You know, okay. I like to hear the government talk about, you know, we, we created this many jobs this, this month. No, you didn't. You reinstated that many jobs. You just opened up businesses. It's pretty frustrating. So if we don't have rip your face off economic reports or economic indicators, then we have something to worry about because we're starting from zero. And so once we get these planes, trucks, ships, you know, trains all in the right spot and we go through this for about 12 months, then you'll be able to take stock about what's actually happening out there and what kind of inflation we really are. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, shutting down the world's best economy of all time. I think we're going to have some serious unintended consequences going forward for probably the next five, maybe even 10 years. And I'm not a doomsdayer. Uh, but I, I definitely think that that, um, that will be so damaging and we only will start to feel those things once we get back to normal. We're not back to normal right now because nothing's coming off the conveyor belt. And so whatever's there, people are bidding up and it looks like it's inflation. But I use this example all the time. If your business, where your restaurant was shut down for a year and you were allowed, which is a whole other story, but you were allowed to reopen uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, and everybody sat down you see 150 people at six o'clock and they all order at once. Is that inflation? I mean, you're going, you're pulling your hair out in the kitchen, but is that something to build a business plan on? Or do you have to kind of wait and see when other restaurants open up and people stop going out to dinner as often because they get used to it again. I mean, right. that's where we're at. I think, I think we need a solid two more quarters, probably three before we really get a handle on everything. And right now, I mean, the smartest guys in the world are saying that, you know, the, the economy is booming. I, it's, it's just reopening. It better be booming. We started at zero, and you flip the light switch on. You know, it's like the patient was dead. Now it's got a heartbeat. Are you expecting the same gain next year? That's my problem.
3: That's no, Great point. points there. We're on with uh, the, the cow guy, uh, as he's known on, on, on the networks, also here on PMP. Uh, just talking about commodities, you spent some time on the floor, right? Uh Yeah. The, and, uh, you know, these moves on the upside, right, and I talk about this with Dennis, there's always people willing to sell. And in the commodities markets, you have, uh, you know, you have these farmers and these hedgers or, you know, the lumber companies. And they, I mean, when those prices were going up and they could lock in their their uh, shipments for six, you know, however far the, uh, the uh, you know, the contracts go out they're out there they're unloading so when they peel when they lose the commercials and uh you know the speculative buyers these guys aren't buying it back they're not i mean they're locking in their their profits and that you know that's why these moves are so violent on the downside is because you have the natural sellers on the way up right. and they're really not shorts because they own the physical so when these things come down they come down hard. And I just wondered if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, the hedging and, the, you know, the, you know, being on the floor and some of the orders that you got. I mean, those are the guys that really control the commodity markets.
5: You're you're exactly right. And, you know, to your point where there's not, you know, there's no, they're not going to buy it back. Right. So you've lost that initial, you lost that, that guy to buy it back on the way down, which can really cause some, some volatility, but you know, what you don't talk about is, There's also a lot of volatility to the upside because you've got these farmers and you've got these big commercial grain outfits that they will sell grain on these rallies, but they're selling forward, right? They're selling a futures contract. And when the market continues to go higher, that can also put them in a bind if they don't have enough cash to back up what they've just done because they haven't pulled it out of the ground yet. And so then you get sometimes where they have to blow themselves out and have to go back in and cover these positions or they have to go find some money to lend, you know, to borrow to, to put against the bad margin calls they're getting. They need to have the short on because they're in anticipation of pulling the crop out of the ground, but that adds more fuel to the fire on the upside as well. So we kind of get crazy on the way up and we kind of get crazy on the way down. So, when commodity markets are moving like this, it's very, very difficult. And I'll say this, I, I know you guys are stock guys. I've been in the stock market for a long time myself. But when you th- think about the three things we can trade in this world, we can trade commodities and I'll lump everything in there. That's metals, that's energies, that's commodities. We can trade equities, which you guys know about equities. And then we can also trade interest rates products and I'll throw in currencies in that in that category. So those three main things, it, it's the commodities traders. They, only, they, they not only have to look at government reports and what might be happening with this you know, jobless claims if, if that's gonna affect what they're trading. But they also have to deal with mother nature who changes on a dime every day. And that's why you see this volatility. So commodities traders have only, they have to worry about everything that everybody else has to worry about. And then on top of that, they have to worry about the weather which makes it very difficult. And a lot of those guys have to be very good traders.
2: Okay, so so, so Scott, uh, you know, you said you're not you're not a doomsdayer. That being said, you're concerned for the next few quarters. Uh, for the moment, for right now, is there anything you like out there?
5: I'm, I'm not a doomsdayer in the, in the sense that I, I think that um, the market doing what it's doing yesterday and today after the announcement from, you know, Powell, I mean, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? I mean, how can you get surprised by what he said? You know, and then to see the knee-jerk reaction today, I shake my head, thinking, "Well, what do these people think he was going to say? You know, rainbows and, and, and lemonade for everybody." Huh. I mean, it just it just boggles my mind. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I get more skeptical. So I would say, you know, I um, as far as giving stock picks out, I'm not allowed to do that per se because of my licenses. I have to be careful about who my customers are, so I can't really say uh, specific things. But I would say that I'm not afraid. Uh, of the stock market yet i mean and i think that you know with the amount of cash on the sidelines and i know a lot of i know some guys in new york and on wall street that still need to be invested and they're not um i think what you said earlier before i came on is that buy the dip mentality will probably stay with us even if we have a five percent sell-off which would be fine by the way you know i listen to the talking heads and they talk about a, a rough day on wall street this morning we're down to three quarters of percent yeah. i mean what what I what, have- what what happened, right? What happened? So, I would say um, I I think that my biggest worry is we come back down from this reflation trade and we get back to our normal growth rate of two to two and a half percent. And somehow Biden gets these tax hikes through, which are historic right now as we speak about them. I think that that's that's an ugly that's an ugly set of circumstances, and that's not a nice world to be in. And I hate to say it because I don't agree with the Fed most of the time, but I think that they might be thinking the same thing, because why do you want to rush out and, and, and stamp out any type of growth we're having while we're reopening, only to have us slip back to 2% GDP and have historic taxes thrown at us? I think that that's what our really big worry is probably
3: next spring. What about this route in the gold market today? Down seventy-seven bucks. I mean, trading range got over nineteen hundred. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I'm sure hope this is a trading range and the seventeen fifty holds here. But uh, uh, what do you think about the gold market?
5: I, I think gold is wrestling with the Bitcoin and, and world. You know, the the cryptocurrency world. I mean, is it an, ex- is it an expression of, of worrying about inflation or Armageddon like it used to be? Or there's a lot of folks around the world that are starting to try to apply that to um, the Bitcoin world or the cryptocurrency world, which I don't agree with, by the way. So I think that right now gold is fighting um, Bitcoin. And I, you, you probably remember earlier this year when we had uh, some people say that, hey, I want to be in Bitcoin rather than gold because I think it's a better hedge against inflation or devaluation. I, I'm not a big gold fan either. I mean, if you would have had gold since twenty eleven, we made it over nineteen hundred. You had a break even party, uh, which is not the business I'm in. So, I would say uh, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of it. I understand it's a place you might want to put a percentage or two percent of your portfolio in, uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe five percent. But I think that it's right now still struggling to find its identity with this newfound um, competitor called cryptocurrency because that's taken a lot of the shine off of gold. No pun intended.
2: Uh, Scott Shalady, aka the Cow Guys, is on the show, getting a lot of love in chat. We appreciate him. We appreciate his insights. We appreciate his outfits. We we appreciate the whole package here at Benzinga. Scott, thanks a lot, man. All right, man.
5: See you guys. Good luck.
2: All right, nice guys, Smash the like button for Scott Shalady, aka the Cow Guy, the best dressed man on Wall Street. Hundred uh, percent. Let's do. Um, do you want to look at, at Akamai or 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 not? Because. Perfect. Uh, the headline last week, we had Fastly with that outage, and they bought the dip on that. Today, uh, this week, we're having Akamai. Seems to be the culprit behind these outages at several airlines, at several Australian banks, at the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, briefly. Um, and uh, no real volume here this morning to speak of, but Akamai, is, if you go to the Twitter, they they – they say yeah this is us we're working on it but uh no real updates from that so last week fastly this week akamai
1: yeah Fastly was a buy the dip opportunity got down 10 percent. it just got silly um this is only down one percent so they're not hitting they're not falling for it twice where okay yeah this is horrible news we better sell it you know there if there's a couple of people sold it's down 1.4 percent the market's down it's down a little bit more than the market so definitely the market's not is it offered down It's no not even at all Best, really? The offers way up at 118 so there's no and the bids 115 21 so this is looking like just in line with fair value right now they're completely ignoring this headline which maybe is the, the reason because fastly was bought on it so there's nobody there's no short coming in here and saying oh yeah it's bad news i'm gonna hammer those bids because they got burned doing that on fastly so they're probably not going to do it on akamai
3: yeah. Um, you know, it took a couple days, too, for the for the love uh, news to kind of sink in. I mean, that is uh, they, they had their third problem in a row. Right. Right, Spencer. They've had. Did you well, mention that? Well, you uh, would, yeah. And, and it, I think it's all tied to Akamai
2: Southwest. Okay. Has had problems for a few days now, but so, too, has United, uh, Delta, American uh, and a number of big Australian banks had problems overnight. So. Uh yeah, and, and it does appear to be all tied to Akamai here. Not 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 quite sure how. Some some DDOS outage is really the extent of my knowledge on there. Um 851. Let's do ticker time. Uh, and let's start okay. with uh let's start with Sunrun here, because it is running.
1: What's going on with this? What's I the news here?
2: Gotta admit, I'm not really sure. Is there sure. a headline here? I yeah. I saw yeah. it bit
1: up last night too.
2: Yeah, so they had a they had a, a, a Commentary from Morgan Stanley. That was out, that was yesterday morning, though. That was that was that yeah. Wednesday morning, uh, and it ran all day yesterday. Um, and I'm not really sure. I think I, it could just be retailers. Continued upward reason. pressure
1: from yeah. Are they talking about it on Reddit?
4: I, they they are. <laughs> are <you> <laughs> they are. Yeah. are. Whatever.
1: We can't find that line. we like, they, or is they, this they did they
2: this Reddit here today? They are, <laughs> but not not like to the with crazy volume or anything.
1: Okay. Um, so this has been oversold for a long time. And now you get Morgan Stanley, who is a very influential uh, broker analyst that gives positive commentary and gives a price target, I believe, of $91. Wow. So Today. I thought I saw Today. that anyway. this is yesterday. Oh, so you're, you that's why you saw the big pop in RUn I believe yesterday. Although Solar had a pretty good day yesterday, you can see some of the other solar stocks like First Solar was bouncing. Some of the solar stocks did have a pretty good day yesterday, but it's very oversold. When you combine that with an analyst that gets all all of a sudden bullish, you can turn the thing around. I'm not sure if there's short interest. I'm not sure if it's talked about on Reddit. But I'm not surprising that the short squeeze could continue, or, or not necessarily short squeeze, but that buyers could come in here for the next couple of days. Um, 50 is key for it. Can it get up and hold through 50? That's where it kissed up to yesterday. They're trying to get through it this morning, but they're struggling kind of right in the same area again. So I'm going to say yesterday's high, 49.55, all the way to 50 still remains resistance until it breaks during the regular session. They can get up over 50, then it starts to open up here again. But chart looks okay. I think I'm more of a buy-the-dip mentality on this one. I'm not shorting into this.
3: Uh, pre-market high, 51.26. There's your bogey on the upside.
2: Kyle Smith says, no, we aren't talking about it. Sunday. Uh, thank
1: you. That. I'm of traders in there. No, Thank no,
2: I, I, but they are though. Like there is some, there are some mentions of Sunrun. I've, I've seen it myself. Um, but not, not with any crazy volume. So I'm not saying they're right as. Popular. I like
1: Solar. I, I'm long term. I own SunPower and I own First Solar. I kind of want to own some of the other ones too. I don't know if I necessarily want to own Run, but maybe on a pullback. ENPH I've always wanted. Uh, I kind of like on on pullbacks here. I like Solar. Okay. Um. Uh. Someone mentioned Corsair. Go to
2: rewind about twenty minutes. We talked about Corsair right about yeah. a few minutes ago. Uh, um, too much insider selling for me to just come in here and buy right now. Let me see. Let me see. Ba 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 ba. What about? Let me just scroll in chat. Ford. We mentioned guys. That, how was Ford doing? We we talked about them in about forty. It's minutes continuing
1: now. higher. It's come struggling out. right where you would think it would. Let's go look at the book. I did open up my book for Mister Alcon in there, and we're just going to go grab the Ford book and see what is happening. Yeah. So 1550 there's 200,000. Look at this. This is right where you can see it's just wide open until about 1550. And then the book thickens up. It's amazing. You know, these traders are reading the book, too. The algos that are running it know where it's going to start to get thicker. So 1550, 200,000, 1555, 140,000, 1560, 220,000, 1575, 240,000 shares. What's that mean? It means that's liquidity on the New York book that it's got to chew through to go higher. So you can see like all these other levels are like, okay, there's 10,000, 20,000 here. Yeah, there's 50,000 at 1530, but it takes a lot when you start getting these 200,000 share orders and 250,000 share orders. It takes a lot of stock, a lot of money to push it through there. So natural first stopping point is 1550. Can it get through there? Then you got 1555, 1560, 1575. So basically it's pretty easy going until you get to 1550 and then the book starts to thicken up. That's just reading, you know, where orders are. So, and looking you know where it's gonna get tougher to get through,
3: and you're also not including the volume of the h f t s that are out there at forty nine point you know fifteen point four nine 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 Right, selling, intercepting, leading on to 15, and then scalping it out at 42.43, pushing it back up, doing it again. Kind of, we haven't talked your tractor beam in a while, but that additional volume in there, shorting ahead of it, leading on the size. Not paying any commissions and just bringing it in for three or four cents, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So a lot of volume up there did sneak to fifteen fifty one, and then they clamped it down again. But you've had some good volume trading here, right? Uh, So the other thing too, if it it, like if it absorbs all this paper and then gets to like fifteen fifty eight, and then. Comes back down, then then be careful as well, because if they can't if they take out that size, and then they can't dump it out a couple pennies later or two, three, four, five, six cents later, then they'll just be right back hitting the bed, and then people locking it down at fifteen and fifteen and a half again.
2: Uh, Roblox rocket. Fifteenth series asked my Roblox. This thing's cooled off. It's quiet. It's quiet quiet this morning
1: i mean both trades worked so if you were buying near that 80 dollar level when we were talking about it i know it opened high it opened up at 82 and a half i believe and it then did it, and down, down, down. but then it came yeah. right back to where it was in the pre-market at 80 so your support very well defined then it had a nice rip and rally to 86 um predictably <laughs> we said on the show that kathy wood would probably buy a lot of stock she did last night i don't have the numbers in front of me how many shares she bought but she bought a pile no. of, of our blx again so you're getting a little Kathy pop here this morning. This is DKNG all over again to a certain extent. So I'm not getting it all back, but we kind of thought it could be a similar trade. You even said it, Joel. Kind of set up the same way. They did come in and buy the dip, although they didn't buy it at the open. But it was down at 80. It, it, it didn't open low enough. What happened was is there wasn't enough yeah, selling shit. pressure to That's really knock on. it down. And then they brought it up right before the open. And then they brought it back down to where it was, it was because tough. it wanted to be around 80 So $80 was the buying opportunity. I traded a couple of times, made a couple of trades on it. Um, I've sold it now, so I have no position on it at all. I thought the Kathy pop might happen, but I actually ended up selling it before the Kathy pop last night because it was trading up and then Spoo's rolled over. I was like, "Well, if Spoo's are going to roll over; you're not getting much of a Kathy pop." So you always got to be juggling multiple balls. You know, if the market's going higher, okay, yeah, the Kathy pop's going to be more influential. You're getting a little Kathy pop here this morning, which is nice. It's up about one percent relative to where the S and P's are, but you've got to be juggling those multiple balls. When you get a significant sell off in the markets, the Kathy pop is going to be muted.
2: Uh, hundred thirty four thousand shares uh, is what ARK bought in Roblox yesterday uh, in the ARKW fund.
1: Very predictable. She's very predictable.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, a few people talking about Novavax. All right. Uh, is there a headline this morning or something? N-
1: no, that would be trading up because of the C. What was the company yeah. that had the COVID not work? C- C- a? CVAC, CureVac. Yeah, yeah. So you got competing drugs. Yeah. So that's why NVAX would naturally be up. I never looked at it, but I would naturally think it would be up on that Moderna as well. Computer. Yeah. Looks like you're right. Yeah. Now um, do you have a level for us? You have a level for us on Novavax?
3: Uh let me take a look.
1: 190. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. 190, uh, which is right near yeah. yesterday's high. 189.40. That's major resistance. I don't know. I don't think you get back up there. You've no, you leaked so either, seven but... bucks.
3: You've leaked seven bucks off that uh off yeah. that high. So selling price. What was even the high from yesterday? Oh, 189.40. No, we're not going back up there.
2: Uh, It's
1: solid if we want to back up there.
2: (laughs) What, what, What about Tesla here? What about Tesla. Been a couple uh, I looked at it for a couple days. Yeah, no, it's been like two days. I know. Just Money said. Mitch went long, oh, sure. baby. Money what you Mitch. Got, what do you got
1: for us on Tesla? I'm what long in got. Tesla, baby. You're long. I want to hear Joel's. Why? I want to hear what Joel got to say. Before Joel, we want to know why Mitch
3: is long. <laughs>
2: and I mean, long. Mitch wants to hear Joel before he says.
1: Okay. <laughs> go Joel. <laughs> Mitch, he wants to know what you think first.
3: Uh he's looking. This is, it's, a tra- it's been a trading range here for the f- last four or five days, right? And right here, good support between five ninety-five and 600. That's your support. If you picked it up under 600, then you're looking okay. And I think he's not looking for a super home run, but maybe if he could get back up, you know, 618, 620, your two-day high, 616,
2: 79. All right, now, Mitch, your turn. Why long Tesla? <laughs> well, one thing is I've been seeing EV slowly come back. I mean, if you look at the Chinese EV, XPEV still holding up, NIO yeah. still holding up, LI, uh, Fisker still holding up. We've been seeing other EVs run. I've been seeing Tesla reject that 600 so many times. When it came back through it yesterday, looking strong, I said, you know what? I'll take a shot because at least I know my line in the sand. Where's your route. It- my, my line in the sand right now is going to be 590s. I'm going to give myself to 590s. If it can dip today, I'm going to be looking to add closer towards right underneath 600 for red to green. But like uh, Joel mentioned, I would love to see it end the day near that 620.
1: You can put on any trade as long as you have an out, and this is what Mitch has learned very quickly in his young trading career. Is he's very disciplined, and this is what makes successful traders. It's not about what you make; it's about what you lose. And if you're willing to cut those losses quickly you'll stay in this game a long time. So, you know, I applaud Mitch for obviously, um, you know, always knowing his outs as well. You know, even on the Corsair, he played that way better than me because he was bullish coming down. And then he's like, I cut it. And I tried again and I cut it and you kept cutting it. You know, and I didn't. I held on to that thing and I shouldn't have. And it ended up being, you know, I was down significantly. Reddit bailed me out. But, you know, that was his luck. So, Mitch, good job. How You can put on any trade as long as you know where your out is.
3: Hey, guys, uh, 9 o'clock, I'm going to hop and uh, do some extended ticker time Uh, on premarketprep.com. Join me, uh, do that BAC I was asked about earlier, and I'll see you guys at 3.30.
2: All right, it's time to bring on Peter Tuckman, the Einstein of Wall Street. He's back on Wall Street from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange this morning. Peter, good morning, sir.
4: Spencer, good to see Ben Singer Nation. Hi, guys.
2: Good to have you back on the floor. What's the feeling out there uh, as the as the market digests its indigestion from the Fed yesterday?
4: <laughs> you know what? These are a, just a, amazing days. Look, for, as a trader on the floor those days, for somebody who's trading sort of the microcosm of the day, Fed days are kind of fascinating. Like David Green always says, "It's it, we're in a new rule mode. We're in the old days when you had expectations about earnings, you were able to sort of you know see what people thought and kind of get into the game before hoping that the expectations are going to be uh, uh bore out but in the new world we really believe price action after earnings and guidance that comes out is the way to determine how to get into the trade it's kind of the same thing with fed days for us that are trading the market on close or the close of the market at two it just happens to be we start to get into the trade either on the long or the short side at 2 o'clock. On Fed days, that's when the news comes out, right? We get the 2 o'clock announcement about rates being changed or the same. Then we have a half hour to wait until 2.30 until Mr. Powell's uh, uh, press conference, which is all about the narrative and how, how everybody reads it. So you usually see this crazy, as we saw yesterday, you know, whether it's algorithm run, whether it's keywords that markets reacting to with, with, with uh, robo, you spider trades or whether it's people reacting to what's going on, everybody who watched the market yesterday at two o'clock, were they anticipating some kind of a change in rates? I don't think so. But so it shouldn't have been a surprise that they didn't change rates. And the market, if anyone looks at the SPY yesterday at two o'clock, it sold off 200 points. It just so happened that us on the floor who trade the close did have a huge sell bounce of about a billion dollars. So that sort of confirmed it, but we play the day kind of light because as you saw, it didn't matter how much there was to buy and sell coming into the close of the market. The market told us what it thought of everything. So it was quick, it was reactive, and the market hit some support down at 422 level, I think, in the SPY, and closed even higher than it was at 2 o'clock. So those are fascinating days.
2: As someone who's never been on the floor for a Fed day, uh, can you like – Tell us a little bit about what it's like at like one fifty eight, one fifty nine, two o'clock, as right before the the uh, the announcement comes out, and also during the press conference. I'm just Absolutely. curious because we we all know that volume uh, craters in like in the instant before, right? But tell us about what it's like down there.
4: Well, so it's sort of it's fascinating because it also, as I said, it coincides with this wonderful bit of information that we here on the floor get access to every day at two o'clock, which is the buy and sell imbalance and for the close. So you've got that prediction on what's going to happen. It's the first initial, what we call an alert, right, sure. that comes out. Is it to buy big, to sell big? Is it kind of mediocre? And often on Fed days, because it coincides with the initial announcement at two o'clock, it's usually kind of small. Yesterday, it happened to be a big sell imbalance. But look, there's a lot of anticipation. We're surrounded by TV sets. Now, once again, we're surrounded by the press is back on the floor, not the photographers, but CNBC is here. CBS is here. Cheddar's back on the floor. We're seeing Spanish TV and other people coming back to the floor. And then you see we're surrounded by screens and it always says Fed announcement imminent. We sort of everyone is sort of gearing up to it like almost a holiday day because they know that you're about to see a huge gyration in in the market. Obviously, people pull back whatever order they flow they have in the market because you can really get blown up. As we know, with technical analysis, it's a matter of the price action at two o'clock. Yesterday was a perfect example of the excitement leading up to two o'clock. And then it's incredibly strong and reactive. Right. The market, you know, we lose we, that. We lose it. We, we get jaded a little bit because on those days you can see a 250 point move on the downside. It rallied back 125. It sold back 125. And then it rallied back over 250 points. You know, these are huge multi-billion dollar moves in valuations in the market, right? In a short, short period of time. So we feel the excitement. We're sort of anxious about what's going on on the initial announcement. Then things sort of sputter to a halt around the 215 level once people try to figure out, okay, so you know, every look, this is an auction market for everybody who thinks that what happened yesterday was the right thing or or a bearish or bullish call has to sort of get their ducks in a row and then wait for the narrative that comes out of Powell. That hour long news conference can be a little bit frustrating because they will really wind through everything. So obviously, the announcements he made yesterday was uh, keeping rates the way they were. But you have to really listen for what he's saying. So they, they, the inflation story was obviously everything everybody was waiting for. And they did say, because there, it's going to be a 1% raise of inflation projection for 2021, which is the year we're in here, right? It wasn't even a 22 or 23 that in 23, that we're going to start raising rates. So that was one reaction point. Then he said that it's not as easy as we anticipated for people to start getting back to work. And then it's just, you know for. In a market that's run by content and words and social media and whatnot, you know, the market holds on everything that Powell says. So if there's a moment of positive narrative or interpretation in his wording, well, the market literally will rally 100 points and then they'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he'll wind himself back down into something that's more negative. So that's why if anyone looks at the SPY chart from two o'clock to four yesterday, it was absolutely nuts. And we, we feel the excitement down here. It, it comes out in our order flow. It comes out in our emotional reaction to the markets. And sort of we're in the room where it's happening. So it's, for me, it's very exciting. I love these days.
2: What about the reaction this morning, though? We're seeing commodities all kind of taking a beating here. Um, you know, uh, we talked about the banks yesterday. Uh, you know, they're all continuing to go higher um, what what do you make of the market's reaction? So yes, it was nothing really was a, was a, a surprise yesterday. Um, though I maintain, even if I had known exactly what he was going to say, I couldn't have told you what the market was going to do. Right. I, don't if, I don't know if anyone could. Uh, so can you try your best to like justify these reactions here this morning?
4: Absolutely. So. Well, so, you know...
2: It's hard. It's hard. I I admit that.
4: It's a a hard question, but the bottom line is I'm a firm believer that the market tells you what it thinks of what happened. Basically, the market started at one point at 2 o'clock. What he said was exactly what people expected in so many ways about employment, about inflation, about interest rates and whatnot. And the market, while it was reactive and sold off hard down 250, it ended up closing around where it started, right? So that kind of means that the market feels sort of, uh, you know, half 55th. It's like even Steven. It's the old Jerry Seinfeld thing. You lose a 20, you find a 20. But but today's reaction, look, the market's been trading a little bit sideways. We're seeing a little more of a pressure. And so the reading I did this morning to try and understand why the market did what it did or why we're down here 100 points. And to your point of the banks being still up and the commodities sort of uh, getting hit a little bit is where we are in the economic recovery cycle. In the beginning of an economic recovery cycle, people are buying value and buying banks. In the middle section, they buy something else. And in the third section of recovery, they look at other sectors to invest in. So it kind of is making us feel, from interpreting what he said, that we're really very much grinding through the beginning state of the recovery, right? That there's still a lot of unknowns. Uh, We are by no means any, I don't believe in the middle of it yet. We don't, you know. Look, he anticipates 4.5 unemployment for next year. Well, that would be real, that would be a wonderful thing if that's all. Uh, if that's if that's where we end up. Um, obviously, the the inflation story will put some pressure on what's going on uh, economically. The fact that people to get them back to work uh, is going to be costing a little bit more money. Goods and services are obviously going up. Uh, raising rates is going to put some pressure on the market. So and. And this not, it's not a, a, a recovery story without so many moving parts and unknowns. So I think that what the, how the market's reacting here gives us the evaluation that we're in the beginning, very beginning stages of the recovery process with a lot of unknowns and headwinds along the way.
2: Uh, and then anything else on your radar this I know you're always watching the indexes we got the Russell rebalance coming up here next uh next Friday. Um anything anything on your radar for today though?
4: Sure. Well, look, yesterday's and tomorrow is the Super Bowl of uh I mean,
2: which, is- Exactly. Yeah, tomorrow. you know, what? let's talk about that. Let's talk about tomorrow. Okay. which.
4: So what, tomorrow, yeah. look, we have the S&P rebalance. For me, that's the biggest. Russell rebalances are are are, are exciting there even though they're more stocks. In that index, they're yeah. not as significant and power play stocks as the S&P. So tomorrow is the quarterly rebalance of the S&P 500. It's actually, and and it's a function of how much movement there's been. And I hope people should learn, learn and read up about what a rebalance means. It's the, the indexers have to basically position themselves with certain amounts of each sector relative to valuation of each stock in their portfolios, depending on how, how big players they are in the indexes. So every quarter, we have them quarterly. And as the year goes on, the quarterly index rebalances get bigger and bigger. The bigger moves that we've seen from January to now, right? This is the second one of the year, is even bigger because the stock, The more one moves from one index rebalance to the next, the more uh, rebalancing they have to do. Right. So I saw the numbers for tomorrow. They're not incredibly large. They're probably, I mean, There are 500 stocks in that index. We trade about 378 of them here. We, you know, people, sometimes people start getting into the trade. So people who have a position in whether it's Apple or whether it's Bristol Myers or whatever, whatever stock it is or whether the big index players, they've got to either buy stock or sell stock relative to what the stock has done and relative to the positioning they're in in their portfolios. So there it's a it's a net even trade as fascinating as it is, because whatever goes in, there are other things that have to come out, right? But it is a big day. So we also have option expiration tomorrow, right? Right. So when these things happen at a lot of time, you have big volume. When you've got so many moving parts and so many things unknown, especially after a Fed meeting as the one that there was so much anticipation of, right? That whole thing we saw last week with uh, Paul Tudor Jones, Talking about, I'm in the inflation trade, big, big, big. One of my buddies, downtown Josh Brown, said, Guys, you're, t- you, you know, yes, that's his story. He's staying in the inflation trade, but how many of you's portfolios are at the same risk relative relationship that Paul Tudor Jones are, right? I'm not going to judge the way that I trade my portfolio, which I don't have one, relative to the way a billionaire is postured. Anyway, getting back to your story, it's the Super Bowl of Fridays, the S&P 500 rebalance. Uh, the second one of the year, the option expiration. We've seen it, it's probably not going to be as big as the first one we had in the first quarter because we've been trading sideways for a little bit here, right? Okay. So I don't know. We'll start up of with a bit of a negative posture, right? The market did you know, uh, uh, tip its hat almost at the 35,000 in the Dow level. The, spot, the S&P is down a bit. So we've been a little bit on the, on the darker side over the last couple of months. So I'm not really sure. We're, we really need to see the next shoe to drop, whether we're going to go higher or lower from here. There may be some, there's definitely some consolidation going on, right? As you and I know, for people who trade in technical analysis, no matter what's going on in the market, up, down, sidewise, there is opportunity, right, in these markets. And, but, but you know, as the gentlemen who were, were on the call before I came in, you know, these you can, what we try and always teach is never turn a winning trade into a losing trade. Right. And using risk management and stop orders, especially in a market like this, because even though the market's been trading sideways, there are stocks that are doing wild things. We did have a couple of weeks here where the meme stocks were really, you know, on fire once again. Right. right? And there were there's some new players in the game. And these are these are, are, are murky waters to be trading in. So I beg everybody to to tap into technical analysis. You know, you you and I we've we've collaborated on this Wall Street Global Trading Academy. I hope people get a shot at that. We're starting to do some fun things with master classes on risk management soon to come. We've got a Facebook group, but you know, we're between your content and and your, you know, the great stuff that goes on at Benzinga and with our course, I think people have a little better of an edge, putting the probability in their favor to get a better better outcome of trading this market because it's it's really hard. This is not this is not your grandfather's stock market used to move when i came down here used to see the down move two three four points a day that was a big deal right i was here on january 21st 1987 which was then 183 million shares traded it was the biggest day in history today we're trading billions of shares a day worldwide and the moves are multi 10 20 percent moves in a stock intraday so i beg everyone to not think this is a get rich quick scheme and and be be cautious
2: All right, Peter Tuckman is the Einstein of Wall Street. He also runs Wall Street Global Trading Academy. The link is not only on the screen. It is also in the description of the video uh, on YouTube. Peter, head back downstairs for the open, and good luck today. See you soon. Thanks, Spencer. All right. Uh, It is 9-16. That is going to just bring our show to end. Uh, I want to hang for a few minutes because we do have Robert Roy uh, is going to Uh, Hop on at around 925 and talk about options, uh, strategies, options trading for the day, and walk you through how he sets up his day. Uh, So that'll be at 925 for about an hour. Speaking of options, I I have a couple of housekeeping items to get to. Um, I mentioned this yesterday. forgot to mention it the day before. We have a new uh tier i i I guess you can call it uh on on our benzinga pro offering we've got benzinga pro right you can access to all the features all the bells and whistles the screeners the the squawk the newsfeed all that stuff uh we also have a benzinga pro options mentorship program it gives you everything on benzinga pro plus uh more access to nick shaheen who joins our show every other tuesday uh you get access to his chat room his daily setups His watch lists. Uh, I'm going to put the link in chat. Okay. Here it is. Link going in chat right now. And the promo code to go with that link to get 70% off your very first month. And that's also in chat. Summer sale is the promo code. I'll put it in the other chat too. Okay. I never forget about you guys. There is a link in that chat. Promo code SUMMERSALE. Again, this is for the Benzinga Pro Options Mentorship Program. If you don't know about options, then I would just tell you to check out our very next show with Robert Roy. He's really good at explaining the stuff um, simply and for people who don't have a a detailed knowledge of options. Um, And uh, if you think, hey, this could be interesting, then check out the Benzinga Pro Options Mentorship Plan link in chat. Promo code SUMMERSALE. All caps. Uh, somebody was uh, keen to remind me this morning uh, for the second day in a row. Uh, I forgot. I was going to do an experiment and, and and I forgot. So I'm going to tell you about my experiment now and you all are going to hold me accountable. Here's the experiment. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to make the live chat for this show open to only Benzinga YouTube subscribers. It's very easy to subscribe. All you got to do is Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and boom, you're subscribed. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to limit our live chat to just subscribers of the channel. If you're like, what the hell? I can't comment. Just hit subscribe and you'll be able to comment. Really is that simple. Uh, So I'm telling you that now so I don't forget. Tomorrow, I hope I don't forget tomorrow morning. Uh, that's the plan. Um, if you haven't subscribed to Benzing on YouTube, uh, I highly recommend it. We just crossed the one hundred thousand subscriber threshold a couple weeks ago. Uh, we are heading straight towards two hundred k as we speak. Uh, we got shows all day, every weekday, um, eight a.m. Some days as early as seven a.m. Uh, but and then some days as late as like eight thirty p.m. We're going like twelve hours a day live, all day today you've got this show obviously almost over robert roy options explained up next you've got spax attack at 11 o'clock you got the power hour which is always great with luke and jason at noon you got get technical at one o'clock our bz crypto show is on at two biotech buzz with vv if you have a biotech question i highly recommend you save it uh, for Vivi at 2.30. Uh, I'll be doing a fireside chat later today with a company that's doing some really cool stuff, the Dream Exchange. We got the At The Close show, Cannabis Hour, which I am co-hosting today. That's right. We have a wedding uh, on, the, on the Benzinga uh, cannabis team. So a few people are out for that. So I'm going to be filming in, co-hosting with Javier Haas, the Cannabis Hour at 4 o'clock today. We got After Hours with Ryan Rose Bianchi and we got Chance Trades. Uh, oh, Money Mitch as well. Money Mitch and then tra- Chance Trades wrapping up at 6.30. Uh, the schedule should be on our Twitter page uh, as it should be every day. Um, so we got a full schedule today as we do every day. All right. What else did I want to mention? Housekeeping. As I mentioned uh, the options thing. I mentioned the cannabis, uh, the, the cannabis hour. And I mentioned the chat experiment that we're going to do tomorrow. Um, I think that was all I had on the housekeeping front. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Just doing one last check because every day there's something that I that I forget to say. I don't want to forget. No, nope, I think I got all of it. Um, okay, let me catch up on chat. I'm gonna hop off the stream in like two minutes here, and Robert Roy is gonna start right up, and he's gonna go. So, ba um, ba ba ba. Uh, Rath needs to give you a raise. I will pass the message along. Damon, thank you very much. <laughs> Where can I hear Benzinga AMC predictions? All right. How is AMC doing? We didn't really talk AMC today for that. It's so quiet, right? Um, it's only fun to talk about when, it, when it's going up a lot or down a lot. It's so quiet. Let's go to open up Benzinga Pro. Go to AMC. Just go to a chart fifteen-minute, just so quiet overnight. Um, I I'm still uh biased towards the long side, right on AMC. As long as it holds up here, I see no reason to throw in the towel. And I maintain that stance. I said I said that yesterday, I think, if not the day before. I maintain that stance. Um, as long as it holds up, you know, I would say, as long as it stays within within this range of what what's that thirty what is that 30 something 37 no 30 35 that 30 as long as it holds up above like 35 that range from a couple weeks ago uh or that low then then i'm i'm biased to the long side on amc um i'm not smart enough to give you a specific prediction uh, whoever was asking sorry um what else what else um No, I think that I'm just catching up on chat. I know there was more tickers. We didn't get to all of them. Somebody mentioned Intel. We talked about that yesterday. Um, somebody mentioned the trade desk. Oh, Texas Linda. I'm going to write that down, the trade desk. And I'm going to write down um, TAN, and I'm going to write down Fuel Cell. Get these on the list. We'll cover these out the close at at 3.30. So Fuel Cell, TAN, the trade desk. We have not talked about for a while. Um... Anything else? I should write down uh, just so we cover it at, at the close. Uh, Neo, we talked about Neo like every day. It feels like we been talked about it yesterday. Um, CCIV, gosh, we talked about that too. SPG, we definitely. did not we hit on SPG? Or no, that was SPI, right? That's SPI. All right, we'll talk about. Um, uh, CVS, sure. We'll, we'll hit on CVS at the close. We'll, we'll hit on. We'll hit on these guys. Um, RSLS, it's not one that I'm familiar with. Very little volume overall, a lot. What happened yesterday? That's unusual volume. Let's do this real fast, and then I'm going to hop off because Robert Roy is about to start Reshape Life Sciences. I don't know this one. Is it a smaller market cap? Probably. $31 million. A, A little small for our blood. A little small for our blood. Uh, whoever dropped RSLS in there, uh, Mandy. Um, okay, 924. I'm going to hop. Guys, uh, drop us a like if you can. We appreciate that. Thank you to both our guests today. Uh, thanks to both Peter uh, and Scott Shalady, a.k.a. the Cow Guy. We appreciate them both. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us this morning. Without you, it would just be Dennis and Joel and I just arguing and Mitch arguing to each other, which is fine. Um, but it's always more fun when we have people in watching and engaging and listening. Uh, if you miss this show, the replay is available uh, every day on YouTube. If you want to listen to the show in podcast form, you can do that. We're on all the major podcast platforms: iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, etc., etc., etc. We're on every major platform. Check. Us out there please remember all the information from our shows meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice opinions expressed do not represent those of Benzinga. and on that note i'm gonna hop off we are five minutes till the open robert roy should be starting up in a minute i will see you guys over there good luck at the open and uh we'll see you later